podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Sporticast Football Stories podcast. My name is Craig Hansen and today I'm joined by Ross Kennelly, an Arsenal fan and site expert for pain in the Arsenal, a Gunners fan site on the fan-sided network. Ross was brought up in Sweden where his obsession with football and Arsenal began. He's now back in the UK, a little closer to the club he loves. I can't wait to talk to Ross today about the old, the new and everything in between on the Sporticast Football Stories podcast. Hey Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing very well indeed, thank you for asking. Very well. Thanks so much for coming on today. It's going to be a pleasure to speak to you about all things Arsenal. Um, one of the best things about speaking to you as an Arsenal fan is that you've got quite a unique backstory, I think. Um, you know, you're an Englishman, which normally would just make it a, a pretty um, easy story. But in your case, it's a little bit different. Could you tell us a bit about your childhood and how you first became an Arsenal fan? Yeah, so I... Um... I grew up in Sweden. I moved to Sweden when I was three years old. Um, you know, the cold, wet South of Sweden. And um, yeah, no, my, 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 my Arsenal sort of passion developed from there. I, it's the first time I ever saw. Um, at the time, Freddie Jungbe. So Freddie Jungbe was the, was the guy. And um, of course, when you're, when you're watching television and football in Sweden, you know, all the Swedish players are naturally the, the go-to one so they get a lot of airtime on telly and you know Freddie was on the telly all the time <laughs> and I fell in love with him and I fell in love with the Arsenal and I fell in love with the football and I, and it blossomed from there and, I, and I've never never looked back it's been it's the very first minute I ever saw a football be kicked it was it was Arsenal and it was and it's never been anything else since Could you give yeah. us that correct pronunciation of Freddie Jungberg again that sounded beautiful uh, Fredrik Jungberg Wow okay I don't think I'm going to be able to do that, but it's nice to it's nice to hear it. Um, <laughs> so you were you were growing up watching Arsenal on TV, um, going to watch your local team there in Sweden in person though sometimes, right? When there wasn't a clash. oh yes, um, Malmo FF. so Malmo, southern Sweden, um, has a little bridge that connects to Denmark. I don't know if anyone's watched that crime drama, The Bridge. Yeah, it's set there. Um, yeah, no. So Malmo FF was the um, team. You know, we used to have some good players back in the days. Obviously, Zlatan started off in Malmo. Yari Lippmann and played for Malmö. Alfonso Alves, who was then atrocious for Middlesbrough, played for Malmö. Yeah, it was good. And there were some very good years for Malmö. We went for a long patch of not winning anything. And now, in the current climate, we're actually one of the better teams in the, in the, in the, in the division at the top of the table at the moment. So, I know uh, Malmö is a brilliant football club. Incredible support fan base. You know, it's you see the European support abroad and you don't you realise, like, oof, you don't think, oh, Sweden, Sweden support the football? Oh, yes. It's, a, it's huge in Sweden. So yeah, no, I, yeah. I watched Malmo all the time. I remember winning the league on the final day of the season, two thousand three or four, I think it was. One of my very early football memories. So yeah, no, I've always my mom has got a special place in my heart. I'm an Arsenal supporter, but you know, fortunately we avoided them in the Europa League a bit years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're I a familiar was. name for us over here as well. You see them in the Champions League. Well, in the they're Champions a big League, club. mate. In the Champions League this season, yeah, yeah, just lost to Juventus. I think I think they're playing. Oh, it's so horrible tonight. So it's going to be well. They're all horrible games for Malmo this season. But um, no, um, yeah, lost the Juventus pretty heavily in the opening, and then we're playing someone else tonight. I think I can't remember. Yeah, no, I mean, 
Young Dal Thomason is the manager. I don't know if you remember Young Dal Thomason. Of course, I remember Young Dal Thomason. That's so cool. As if, yeah, he's the manager. Yeah, great. Oh guy. my god, that's awesome. Okay, well, so you you're watching um, Malmo in person sometimes, Arsenal on TV, etc. But then eventually you got to see your first Arsenal game live. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, 2007. So obviously, um, I'd only been about 13 at the time, and uh, obviously. I've been Arsenal forever now. I was, I was Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. My dad took me over to, to the Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough, the beautiful, gorgeous Riverside Stadium in the lovely, quaint town of Middlesbrough. Um, can, you, can you fly from Malmö to uh, Middlesbrough no, direct? I, I think, I think we, uh, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> but no, we got there in um, 2007. It was a late game. We won 1 0. Pires scored the only goal in 80 something minute, I think. Um, I remember because Thierry Henry came on about five minutes to go, and I think I wept <laughs> as a wee as a wee thirteen year old boy. I think I wept. Um, yeah, it was my first ever game, and then I've been to so many since. You know, I mean, I've got my I've got my my pass now and everything. But you know, I used to fly over all the time. I used to go to London, go watch Arsenal, go to the National History Museum because I was still a little boy. I liked my dinosaurs. And <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I think I've seen us play Middlesbrough more than any other team. Weirdly enough. Is your dad a fan too, or do you just force force him to go with you to England all the time? He, he was a he was a Malmo fifth season ticket holder. He, he, he he's a member of the club as well. Um, but, um, no, I mean he's not actually a Malmo, Malmo. He's not actually an Arsenal Arsenal fan like I am. Um, he loves his sport. He loves his horse racing. But yeah, no, he, he, he was he was the Malmo man. He was he was he had a Malmo, he had a Malmo season ticket. He was so yeah, his 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 number one team is actually now Malmo. Wow. Okay. Mm. And yours is Arsenal. And uh, what was it like growing up as a kid in Sweden supporting Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, it, there was no uh, three PM blackout, which was nice. <laughs> oh so, yeah, but you got to watch every yeah, single game. I got to watch every single game today, legally. Yeah. Legally, yeah. You know, even when internet wasn't even a thing, <laughs> you saw dial up and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I actually managed to get to watch yeah. pretty much every single game, which was brilliant uh, for some of my age. You know, because I've already got to learn learn football and learn about Arsenal and learn about the team and it was great um, no it was, it was um, growing up being Arsenal fan was great I mean I used to get a lot of stick obviously going to football training because everyone was Swedish I was the only English guy going to football training um, but no there's quite there's the decent support I mean I, 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 um, in, in Sweden generally um, people tend to have two teams you'd have your Swedish team your local team and then you'd maybe have like an English uh, Premier League team you'd follow as well there's a huge, huge following for football in Scandinavia. Um, you know, everyone's Norway, Finland, everyone's even the most remote, random teams. You know, some will support Carlisle United because they went on there for a work trip, or <laughs> Peterborough because they used to date a girl from Peterborough. <laughs> you know, all those kind of random little things like that. So there's a huge following, and obviously with Freddie, uh, with Freddie there as well, made my made my life easier because I got to watch him all the time. And Freddie was a big catalyst for you to get into the club. Can you remember any other? a couple of other sort of stars of the time who really caught your eye, who you really fell in love with as a youngster? I mean, of course, you know, you can't avoid the Henri's and the Bergkamp's and, you know, they still have an effect on my life even now. But I think there was just something special about Patrick Vieira that it just, he just drew your attention. You know, he was, he was belligerent. He was a brute. He has these big, big lanky legs. He looked like a centre half, but he was just silk, and he was just he glided across the pitch. It's, it's his technical ability. He was a 
wonderful, wonderful blend of elegance and just brutality. All into just one mid, one young midfielder coming over. Oh, he's twenty one, I think, when he first played for Arsenal, when he first joined Arsenal. And, um, and then he just the way he settled into the league, and he just he just he owned the Premier League, and he owned Arsenal the way he owned the midfield. It was there's something so majestic about him that it was just unavoidable. You couldn't you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't not see it. You couldn't watch it on telly. He was he, he was centre of the pitch, and he was centre of your screen every single time. And I think it's special, special. But it's also there's also the yeah. kind of romance of Arsenal and never replaced him. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, so that, that, that attachment stays long. But no, there was there's something quite glorious about that about Patrick Vieira that I think yeah, I don't think we'll, we'll ever see it at Arsenal again. Sadly enough, yeah, even if there are iterations of it. Yeah, well, yeah. it's hard so. to replace. I mean, one of the Premier League greats for sure. One of the greats of the game. Don't come along every week. So the, the teams, the Arsenal teams I watched growing up, you know. They were all great, likeable people, <laughs> fortunately. <laughs> well, um, I'm catching you at a good time right now because of the amazing North London derby that you had the other day. So I'm sure you're in high spirits after that. But what was it like following North London derbies from afar as a kid? How soon were you able to pick up sort of, um, you know, the, the, the importance and the intensity of that tie? Um, so early on for me, being abroad... You understand they were. You understood that they were rivals. You understood that they were a team you weren't supposed to like. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they were never really relevant because Arsenal were always better than Tottenham. They were always, but we were always better than Spurs. You know, I mean, Robert Perez never lost a game to Tottenham. Um, so my hatred, mm. <laughs> if you like, was mainly directed towards Manchester United. I did not like Manchester United, and I still don't particularly like Manchester United. Them. Um, they were they were the team buying for Arsenal, you know, the early two thousands and around that period of time, and they just naturally had something around because because they were so good, and because Arsenal were also equally good, you just had to had to loathe them, <laughs> and you know, obviously, you know, all, all the spats and the, the Keens and the Vieiras and the Van Nistelrooys and the Kieran's and whatnot, and so my 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 disdain was all generally directed towards Man United. I mean, I've I've since grown up. I've, I've you know I've moved back to England, live in London, and I've 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 been there. And I've seen it. And I've, I've experienced it. And you know, I nothing nothing is better than being Tottenham. Nothing is better than being Tottenham. Um, obviously, winning a trophy, but or finishing above them. Well, yeah, which hasn't happened for five years now, unfortunately, for five seasons. Oh God, has it been that long? That is a that's not good. Maybe this year you could change that. <sighs> Well, we are now <laughs> by goal on goals difference. We are above them in tenth. Um, no, um, the only, the last time we finished above them was when they came third in a two horse race when Leicester won the league. That was the last, that was the last time we finished above them. Uh, so yeah, some, to- some tottering some some tottering they would be nice this season, especially if it means that we get Europa <laughs> League and they get Europa Conference League. God, that would be good. Yeah, well, I think if anything, last season it was kind of preferable for you to if anything it was more of a troll that like they qualified for that and you did it yeah, like you yeah. if anything you you got the good endless stick there the only way we could have it could have worked out perfectly was if Everton had beaten City on the final day of the season they lost 5-0 because <laughs> then we would have finished above <laughs> them and we would have got not got conference league so it's like that yeah no no hopefully this time it'd be different now I mean we, we, we have the edge at the moment all six games into the season with uh, you know, our nine glorious points. We have the edge of them in 10. So. <laughs> we'll, see well, we'll see what happens. When you came along, how 
sort of how much of the glory years did you get to enjoy? Did you come along at a time where you were like halfway through or did you come in just before? Um, you know, how long had Wenger been there? How much of the, the really good times were you around for? So I, so I mean, like the, the FA Cup final win in 2005 that I mentioned was pretty much one of the sort of first strong memories I think I had. Um, I do remember winning the, the, the league at White Hart Lane. I was only... 11 but I, I still remember the goals I still remember I still remember Vieira's deep running and I remember all I do remember that but I know you know in the context of an entire season I don't think I was quite at the age to fully grasp what it meant because you know winning the weird league while it is unbelievable going unbeaten and I do remember like why is the why is the trophy gold <laughs> um, <laughs> um but yeah I know and those sort of memories they do come back and go oh yeah I, I, but I was I'm so I'm, I'm I, find, I feel myself privileged that I was able to actually experience the greatest season in history, you know, of the club in, in many ways, um, to a certain degree. Like, I don't remember, like, I remember a full season or anything, but I, you know, I look back, yeah. you look back at the highlights, you look back at individual games, like, I remember all of those goals. I remember all those games. So, yeah, I, I kind of came into it more around that time and then the 2000, the 2006, and obviously we lost the Champions League final. Um, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember crying into my bathroom window when Patrick Vieira left for Juventus, <laughs> and I was in the bathroom mirror, and I was oh, that was in I was I was just after 2005, yeah. I mean, so I remember those memories. I remember, I mean, when I, when I was crying and we lost a player, is when I was like, yeah, I really do hold this very dear to my heart. This is this is, this is <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting out of this. There's no way I'm getting out of this. And then yeah, obviously there was the. Um, the good football years, so we had, we played fabulous football from you know oh eight and oh nine and whatever. But we we you know it was it wasn't enough. Um, it wasn't enough. You know we made a lot of mistakes during that period, and then we had that of that long stretch until we went and won the FA Cup again against Hull. And I remember as 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 hard as you know not winning anything during those years. Well, obviously for, for for an Arsenal fan, you know it's it's a long period without winning anything. Um, it was great football. We played fantastic football. <laughs> some of them yeah, started, like, yes, was... some of my favourite players in those years you know we played some brilliant football to watch I always remember that as sort of my university period 2008-2011 mm. and a little bit before and a little bit after and at that point yeah. Arsenal were definitely my like favourite team to watch I think they were most people's second team yeah. just the 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 kind of like post tiki taka stuff that was going on it was just so I remember that I vividly remember that Wilshire goal remember that goal where and it's Norwich there's a bunch of little intricate passes and then yeah. it kind of comes over the top and you're just like, oh my God, this is like better than Barcelona. This Norwich, be like... Norwich 2014, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it's a stupendous goal. Stupendous that sort goal. of, I don't know, seven or eight years or whatever where it was just so good. Um, but coming on to the modern day now, um, yeah. you had all those amazing times, of course. Now things are a little bit, um, well, you know, there's ups and downs nowadays. Ropey. Yeah, Ropey. Um, what's the best thing about being an Arsenal fan today? Today or two days ago? Two days okay. ago is the answer to that. I'm saying you came to me the best time because <laughs> if you'd have come to me, what, three games ago, it's a totally different story, you know. It's crazy how... Different conversation for sure. Different conversation, you know. I mean, beating Tottenham two days ago and in the manner we did, even though you take the win, however you take it. Um was it's the best day I've had since we won the FA Cup um, two years ago. Uh, it was the it's, oh, just over a year ago. It was it's the best day I've had since we won the FA Cup. 
pardon me. It's been some really, really horrible, 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 horrible times. I mean, I've been I've been writing about Arsenal full time for just over a year, and it's essentially coincided with how <laughs> dreadful we've been. Um, no, I mean the, the the elation, the 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 joy that you know, just nothing else matters. You know, even if we were still tenth, you know, tenth in the league, we still lost three games already this season. Everything just is just forgotten about when you beat Tottenham, and to do it the way we did, it was really, it's just changed the mood dramatically, dramatically. And then when no one's going to sit around and say we've turned a corner because we haven't, I don't think. Um, we're turning a corner. We haven't turned it because end of the day, you, you're supposed to beat Burnley, you're supposed to beat Norwich. Tottenham were dreadful as well, um, but it just feels better. And we, it's it's been so sorely needed after some awful, 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 awful months. Um, you know, last year was, and the, the problem you have is when it's when anger turns to apathy is is when you it's a breaking point. And I think a lot of supporters. We're leaning towards that, and there was even times last season where you know we were under Emery as well, where we'd lose, and I wasn't devastated. You didn't even care anymore, <laughs> and that's that's the saddest thing of all. That is the worst part. Yeah. Of I knew we were going to lose. I knew we were going to lose. Normally, I, I, if we lose, I want to be angry. I want to be sad. I want to be. I don't want to talk to anyone. I ignore my girlfriend all day. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm miserable, but. When you just feel like, oh, that's when it gets, it's bad. And that's not the way you want to feel about any of your football club. It's not the way you want to feel. No, and no, fortunately, we haven't, I think this win against Tottenham changed the landscape. It gives this vision that, of what Arteta wants, some sort of s- solid form, if you like, um, that we can now build on. Yeah, I thought it looked great in terms of the shape and tactically. And I think... The just the they showed like on on match of the day that the sort of um, the body language of the two coaches as well the way Arteta was constantly up forcing them to press all the time and and Nuno was kind of like dejected. I feel like if they can keep that momentum going with that front four and now Partey seems to be back because I think he was when you signed him I thought what a signing that is such an amazing player but I, I think it's just had some injury troubles hasn't really panned out if he can play consistently and well and Jacker can keep his head. Then you could have a decent sort of if 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 he's even if he's even, if he's even fit because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a, has a nasty looking knee injury actually. Mm. And I think I'm waiting for the update. We're waiting for something from the club as we speak. Um, but yeah, no, Thomas Party is a Rolls Royce man. He's a Champions League football player. The fact that we have Thomas Party in our team is just it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, he missed 14 Premier League games last season. Four, 14, and and while I. It's never a certain stone, you know. We were six points off top four. Yeah, <laughs> considering how appalling we were, and to have Thomas Partey miss fourteen games, he barely even finished the ninety minutes. Um, yeah, it's it's a gigantic, gigantic, it's transformative. He transforms our midfield. He is he is an absolute beast, and I'm so glad he's fit. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I think he could be could be maybe a really important part of of something good in the coming months. But we'll have to wait and see. We don't want to get too carried away, of course. Um, now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about sort of outside of the, the pitch and just the, the sort of fan culture and everything like that. So this question is, um, you know, it's a tricky one, but I thought I had to bring it up talking to an Arsenal fan. So what do you make of AFTV and sort of the 
the reputation that Arsenal fans seem to get nowadays. So I feel like I, I talk about this with most of the guys that we have on, not about yeah. AFTV, but just every club has its sort of identity. And if you hear the name of the club, you you have like a kind of connotation with that. If you hear Millwall, you think a certain thing. If you hear Brighton, you think a certain yeah. thing. And yeah. nowadays when you hear Arsenal, people tend to think a certain thing. There's sort of like a kind of like an identity that's been pushed onto them now from social media and the internet and stuff. What do you make of all that? Do you think it's accurate? Do you think um, it's an even negative, that connotation? Or what do you, what do you, how do you think Arsenal fans are seen nowadays? And do you think that's fair? Uh, as much as a lot of us do not like to admit it, um, AFTV paints a very different picture. And it, and it's become sort of a, oh, Arsenal have lost, boom. What are they if TV? Done. For non-Arsenal oh, fans, it is definitely yeah. That, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Uh, like, oh, what, 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 let's go watch some some meltdowns. Um, I am not a fan of it. I don't. I don't watch it. Uh, I don't watch it at all. Um, I wouldn't either. While I while while I I believe originally, you know, it was not done with any intention of being a damaging influence. It was. I think it did. started out as oh, let's interview some fans after the game and see what they think. Um, no harm intended, sort of thing. Um, it has, it, it isn't that anymore. Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched any for so long, but you know, they. I think there's a lot of overblown reactions that it is, it's, it's trying to stir up a culture of toxicity within the club, within the fans. It paints, it doesn't paint the club in a good picture. It doesn't paint the supporters in a good picture. Uh, I think it breeds negativity. Um, I haven't met any of them. I don't. I don't know them personally. I don't know what they're like. But um, I mean, if you go, if you go to the Arsenal, if you go to the Emirates, and you go, you go stand in the concourse, you have a look around. You know, the feelings of the fans on AFTV are very well known. If you go to the away games, even home games, AFTV get out of our club. Uh, you, you hear it saying everywhere. Um, I am not a fan of it. I'm not. I can see why other people are. <laughs> I can see why a Spurs fan or a Chelsea fan or anyone is going to go, oh, Arsenal just got beaten 3-0 <laughs> at home to Aston Villa. Let's go see how miserable everyone is. It's, it, 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 I think it is damaging. Um, and I think they do prey on that negativity because it, you know, what, 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 what gets you, what gets you views, what gets yeah. you clicks, what gets you hits. It's the same across everything, isn't it? Same way as like Talksport. <laughs> yeah. Not even just in no. football, but in every type of facet of in life. A, in, every, in, in, every, in every walk of life. Yeah. No, Negativity, um, clickbait, people want to see anger, meltdowns. Exactly. And uh, so I, I don't try and include it in my life. Um, it is unavoidable. It is unavoidable. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't try and consider it a part of being Arsenal and Arsenal fan. I try and dis- distance myself and everything we do from that level of negativity. So, I mean, at the end of the day, what it is, it's fans giving their opinions, but then there's how you frame it. Yeah. And how you edit it. Which, you choose. which frames you choose to hang up in the living room sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm not, it's not for me. I'm no, hundred percent. And I, I don't particularly watch it myself very much, but again, I see why I have a lot of friends who are constantly like, Oh, you need to watch this video, this video. And after even, mm. even for a neutral, after a while, it's it's funny in the beginning, but after a while, it's like, okay, I've seen all these before, you know, Meltdown, whatever, it's not really that. I think it's a bit dead, but the, the, the interesting thing about it now is kind of like you said, it's it's almost like it's not really Arsenal fan TV, like for Arsenal fans anymore. It's sort of, 
it's a product for everyone who isn't an Arsenal fan almost. That's kind of what it is there yeah. for. So that everyone else can like enjoy the chaos. Yeah. And, uh, it's a bit it's of a, like weird... a it's like a troop in it. There's like a group, I think. I don't I think I, I again I don't know, but I I think back in the day they used to just interview everyone. Yeah. After the game. I wanted to say. I mean now I don't feel like I feel like I, I mean as far as I'm aware, this it's very much a closed group. Mm. They have like and special then, characters, I think. I don't know. Yeah, basically personalities, whatever people are, you know with out, very extremely outgoing yeah. <laughs> views or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's not the average fan. Well, the same thing is if you if you go on social media and you you read all the things on social media and Twitter and whatnot, you know that's not that's not reflective. Of, no, no, of, of supporters in general. It's just a sort of extreme <laughs> kind of bottled version of what every fan base has, really. But but coming on to that, how it doesn't really reflect. Um, that's the next thing I wanted to ask you is what is the real identity of Arsenal as a club and the Arsenal fan base? Because um, I don't know if you listen to the Football Ramble. It's a great um, podcast. Yeah. I love that show. And you know, Jim Campbell's an Arsenal fan. And I feel like he talks about this sometimes, you know, that the way Arsenal fans are portrayed in AFTV and stuff like that versus what they're really like. And you get this a lot with all different types of stuff. I know as an England fan, I've noticed this, you know, yeah. traveling all around, especially in Europe, living in Europe, People always tell me my my um my uh, colleagues are Polish and I was in Poland I was in Warsaw a couple of weeks ago and they were saying that we have this reputation for like arrogance that we're like you know we think we're the best and everything and I was like that is so weird because I feel like that's the exact opposite of how every England fan feels <laughs> I feel like we're the yeah. worst thing ever we're always gonna lose if we win it even a game I can't believe it um that's mm. why us getting to finals and stuff it's so mind-blowing because it's like yeah so it's funny how sometimes the reality is not quite the same as the reputation what is the reality for an arsenal fan are they really kind of hot-headed crazy um you know monsters or what are they what are they really like it's i mean through the years it's you know it's it's very because we had a manager for 22 years and um i think i think the majority felt that there was a, maybe a time to change um Albeit maybe not on the man, albeit not on the manner that it did happen, but then I think a lot of it's changed over the last year because we've not been in stadiums. Um, so we went, we've gone throughout the whole pandemic and not be able to go and watch our club. And you think, oh, last season, you know how how dreadful it was. We we broke, gosh, knows how many records of like losing at home and losing on the trot and whatever. And you know, if if, if you think if if we had supporters in the, in the stands, you know, when we were, when we went seven games without winning, losing at home to Burnley and losing at home to whatever. Um, it's a very different thing. And I think, I'm not sure how much the pandemic has had an impact this time around, but I think the best performers this season for Arsenal have been the fans. I mean, it's been sensational. I mean, I don't know if that's partially because of, you know, it's been so long, we've come back to see the football and everything. But I think what a lot of it is down to is that we've built a very likeable team. And it's so important. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of deadwood in the club that nobody really wants to see anymore. There's we've had to cancel so many contracts and what have you. But um, I think now, yeah, this entire season, it's been unbelievable how the Arsenal fans have been. I mean, losing three games on the spin to start the season, still sending 6,000 up to West Brom on a Wednesday night. Um, or even in the Chelsea defeat, fans were exceptional. Um Man City away stayed. Majority of them stayed all the way through, capped them off, and then at the, the Tottenham um, on Sunday, it's probably the best atmosphere I think ever. But the concourse was buzzing, two hours before kickoff, unbelievable. Um, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's this whole idea. This is this sort of faux image about the Emirates being this place of 
disdain and anger and all you know there's it's never there's never satisfied and they'll get on your back and da, da, da. and like you know what it is is when Fab, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mirage because any stadium full of supporters watching their team lose it's not going to be a particularly happy stadium not a, especially in england where fans are very it's very moment driven as opposed to you know you go abroad and it's just like you sing and you chant all the old long they were very moment driven in in this country and yeah 100 percent. we sing when we're winning i think even yeah. down in the lower leagues, I go and watch my local League Two side, and it's the same thing. They're singing a lot when they're drawing, especially if they're winning. If they go behind, it's yeah. deadly silence until yeah. something happens. And, and I think there's a bit of a you know, it's not it's not that different to everywhere else. And you know, it can be quiet. It's it's not the same stadium as Highbury. Uh, it's not it's not got that close in feeling. Um, even if it's a grand big stadium, but you know, you, you know, Highbury, you're on top of the players. You are on that. You're on that touchline. Um, no, I think there's a there's it's very easy these days to pick holes when, like, you kick a man when you're down, don't you? And Arsenal are a super easy target. Like, I'm like, I like, you know, yeah. we are, we, like, the whole way through this summer and then to the start of the season, we're the subject of all sorts of sensationalist ideas and, you know, clickbait stories and ex pundits and ex players coming in and laying it in. And, you know, you know, you just got, you just got to take it on the chin because. You can't really blame them in a way. I mean, we're an easy target, you know. I mean, you'd you'd pick holes at Arsenal because you know they were a good team, and now they're not. Well, that's so what, I... that's what exactly what I was about to say. When it comes to the other fans, it's if anything, it's a compliment too because it's basically whenever a big club is having a complete mare, people love that and they want to see it continue. It's like you know when Man United got rid of Fergie and they started going down, down. The worse they got, the funnier it got. The more everyone loved it. <laughs> Same thing with Liverpool, Chelsea. People oh, yeah, love when, that, you know. When Chelsea finished, was it tenth? Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> people were like, "Oh my god, will they really go down?" And people were mm. hoping, you know, everyone other than Chelsea fans, how low can they go? Yeah. And with Arsenal, it's kind of been going on for a while, and it, you know, there's been ups and downs, but it's been kind of gradually getting a bit worse. And because they were a big, big club, people love that. And I guess in your case, it's a bit different, just because there's so much content about it. I guess it's not just the fans talking about it among themselves. Yeah. It's like it's out there. But speaking of content. What do you make of this Amazon documentary that's coming around? Do you, do you think it'll be better than the Spurs one? Or? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 there's been a couple of times I've forgotten that it's on. And I've just gone, I've just got, it's sort of returned to me. I've gone, oh, crikey, that's on, isn't it? Yeah, no. Um, I, I mean, I remembered it was on when we were losing the first three games of the season. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I... I I'm not particularly for it. I think it's. I just don't think it's helpful at all. I really don't. I mean, I mean, you see, I've, you've, I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen as well the Spurs ones, the, the Man City ones. I don't think any player wants that many cameras around them all the time. And of course, it's not all the time. You know, they'll be there a few days and whatever, and then they'll pick and choose the best bits. So of course, I mean, I mean, Arteta didn't want it. The manager didn't want it. He, he, he explicitly said he didn't want it. I think, I think Odegaard's already come out and said he, he's not a fan of having them in cameras around all the time. Um, I just think it's it'll be great when you're winning. It's not when you're not. And I think it, it also can, pay, it can paint a false narrative because, you know, like I was saying before, what's going to sell? Well, you know, it will, if, if they've got little snippets and it's all going to be someone fighting, which, you know, let's be honest, two players will fight in training all the time. Or yeah. what parts will they show? And, you know, We've just beaten Spurs at home. Is that going to be a ten minutes? Is that going to be a ten second segment? And then they're going to show. Are they going to show like the whole Night Man City five 0 drubbing? Is that going to be a ten yeah. minute one? So I don't know. I mean, look, 
in a way, I'm going to be. I, I'm going to watch every single episode. Of course, I'm, I'm going to. It's going to be glued to it. I think it's impossible not to want to see it. But oh, I, I really wish we weren't doing it. I really, really wish we weren't doing it because if it does get and look, we've, we've won three games on the chart, four games on the chart in all competitions, and I don't think that's going to be sustainable. <laughs> so what happens if it goes bad again? Oh, oh, you know, I do, I do dread to see what it's like. Yeah, it's a, an unnecessary distraction, isn't it? I think, but. Yeah, I just don't think you know in this season where we really need to not be crap, and we really yeah. need to we need to be back in the top six. You know, um, are having those cameras around to film every every moment of the players doing this is that really going to help? I don't think it's ever going to be helpful to be honest with you. But I'm still going to watch it. Oh, I'm going I'm, I'm to be engrossed by it. I'm going to be absolutely engrossed. <laughs> by it. No, no yeah. doubt whatsoever. I know I definitely will as a neutral. Yeah. Um, and we touched on it a little bit earlier when we spoke about um, Daniel Ek, but. How would you sum up sort of the performance of the owners over the you know recent years? And do you feel that they're doing a good job of representing the the club and the fans? Um, they would do a really good job representing the fans if they um, ever showed their faces. Uh, that that would that would be a good start. No, they don't give a flying toss about this football club, not at all. Um, they haven't cared since the moment they took over. They will never care. Um, they'll never see it as anything other than it's a bit of a, it's, it's, we own another football team we own we own another we, oh, we own a soccer team and um it's just money i know they they you can look at like all the investments and all those things that's not even the point uh, like the investment side of things isn't isn't yeah well, i mean it's not it's not come out of their own pockets but we we have spent you know they they move money around to make money basically that's how they do it and we spent a lot of money this summer but you just want you want someone to to represent your club, to care about your club, to to feel like they're involved in the club, and it's not just a sort of side thing. And they're just not. They never have been. Never will be. They never will be. They do not give a toss. And um, you know, silent. We call him Silent Stan for a reason. You know, Josh. Josh comes over every now and then. Um, well, I mean, he attends like one me in a year with the Sports Trust. Um, so out of touch with what it means to people uh, they haven't they don't know they can they can say they know but they don't know um and as well you know look, and the thing is if you've got if you've got an owner who's if you've got, if you've got an owner who doesn't care doesn't know how, what it means how to do things at least hire people who do and they haven't done that and you know we got, we got we've gone through such upheaval in the the, the hierarchy of this club over the last few years. It's just unsustainable. You can't keep changing like we have. Um, and then we've just hired a bunch of inexperienced people, and I've been caged some Edu and Arteta. I mean, all three of them vastly unexperienced. And while you know, you got you get a technical director who's only ever worked for, for the national team, and <laughs> there's a Brazilian. Member of the Brazilian Federation who said, "Oh, good luck to Arsenal having Edu." Um, That's a good, good endorsement. Yeah, you've got the, you've you've got the blind leading the blind most of the time, and the problem is, you know, when you're going to make mistakes, like the owners, the owners do, you have to then hire people who are competent who will not make mistakes. And while time will tell on Arteta and Edu and Vinay and you know Tim Lewis and everyone, you know, they. They will make mistakes because they're, they're new to the job, and it's you can't afford to have everyone doing that across the board. Arteta's made a whole load of mistakes. Edu has made so many mistakes. Vinay has made so many mistakes <laughs> with these all oh, this Super League everything, and 
there's just it, I, 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 will, I will sit and I will, I will acknowledge and I will accept that we have got distant owners who don't care as long as they hire people who knew what they were doing they haven't yep the least that you could ask for they are hiring people who are learning what they're doing yeah on the job so no i don't like them i don't like ksc um but <laughs> then again what, what what do you say what what, what if we go and win the fa cup this year and the money gets us back into europe <clears throat> is anyone going to complain i'm still going to complain <laughs> i'm still going to complain because i don't I, I want someone who cares but yeah, I think that's the thing sometimes that people don't realise as well that when fans complain about their owners that you'll hear that classic talk sport meme, isn't it? That if if ever anyone complains about their owners, they'll just say, oh, well, look how much money they've spent there. What more do you want? You know, spend money, whatever. But it's not always about that. Like, as a fan, I'd rather have a manager who, sorry, an owner who, not, not, not necessarily a fan of the club, a boyhood fan or whatever, but just you can tell that they actually want you to win things. They care about that. Even if it's not because they're a fan, it's just because they arrogantly want to win stuff or whatever. Like, whatever, they they care about the footballing success. That's what they care about. Then that for me, that's all good. But sometimes they're, they're throwing money at it, but not because they want to win, just because they want to appease you for a bit, and then they'll go back to just not caring. They have no interest in the mm-hmm. success on the pitch, do they? And, and they definitely no. don't care about the club in terms of its identity or any connection with it. Well, the best thing about Stan, Stan Kroenke, is he came to watch us win the FA Cup in 2015, 14, whatever, 15, 16, whatever. Uh, he didn't even know what colour kit we were wearing. <laughs> he did. He, he, he genuinely, we were wearing yellow because we were uh, Villa were wearing the home, so he didn't know what colour we were wearing. I mean... <laughs> yeah, it's not ideal, is it? <laughs> it's just... It is not ideal, no, for sure. No, no. It could could be better. Uh, well, before we come on to Arteta and Edu in more detail, we're going to take one very quick break. And we're back. So one of the things, you know, not to, to, to come back to the, uh, you know, the things that are thrown at Arsenal fans from the sidelines, one of the things that you'll, I'm sure you've had a million times now in the kind of banter universe is, oh, you know, you campaigned to get rid of Wenger for so long. You know, you hounded him out the club. You know, you treated him horribly, you fans. And now look where you are. Now you wish you had him back, don't you? Um, <laughs> do you think there's any truth in that? Did the majority of fans sort of hound Wenger out? Was it Wenger's time to go? I mean, what do you make of the whole sort of, in hindsight now, you know, Wenger leaving and, and the subsequent years? Um, I still firmly believe it was the right time to go. Actually, no. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the right time to go. I think I think he should have gone earlier. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I think he should I think he should have gone when we won the FA Cup. Um, to be honest, um, leave on an absolute high. And the thing is, like he didn't leave the squad in the very best of nick. To be honest with you, um, like he, look, he was he was wrongly hounded out. The way he was treated was 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 horrible, it was disgraceful from 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 you know from from some. Um, but I do believe it was time to change. Um, we'd. He, he tried to change the way the team was. He'd gone, he'd gone from different systems, and he bought some players that weren't great. I mean, the, the man demanded an incredible job. We spent no money, and we got top four every year. And it's, it's just cannot to manage to get out to get what he did from the players he had was quite remarkable. I mean, it really is quite remarkable. We had some garbage in that team, and we were still making top four. Yeah. Was that sort of during the years when you couldn't really get anyone because of the the stadium and the money? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We was we, we had the well, well, the stadiums built. We had, we had we had to sell we had to sell our players, um, the best ones. I mean, the problem we had was we, we never. It's a history, Arsenal. We don't sell at the right time. You know, we don't sell when when they iron top. We're too we're too nervous. We don't risk to take the money when it's given to us. 
And this is changing now. Um, obviously, Emery came in, he was the wrong appointment. What do you make of Emery? Because there's some people who, it, I, I think it's a simplistic thing to do, but you know that classic thing that if a club sacks a manager and then the next season they don't finish above where they did, it's like, oh, well, what's the point? You know, you got rid of Mourinho Spurs and now look where you are. You should have kept him. There's people yeah. that will say the same thing about Emery, that it, it kind of sort of, you were always getting in the Champions League with Wenger and you got rid of him and then you got Emery. At least he was keeping you in the Europa League, got rid of him. Now you can't even get in the Europa League. I mean, is is there any truth in that? I mean, what do you think of the, of Emery? I mean, a lot yeah. of non-Arsenal fans were sort of, you know, when they won the Europa League, Villarreal, they were sort of like, oh, you know, look, he's getting his revenge on English football, the way he was treated by the journalists and the fans and stuff. I mean, again, what do you make of all that? Do you think Emery was unfairly treated? How do you, how would you sum up the job he did, in hindsight? So I, I'm, I'm in the belief that. There are no bad players; they're just bad fits, and I think the same applies to managers. I don't necessarily think there are any. I mean, there's some terrible coaches, but I don't think there's necessarily any bad managers. Um, look, I mean, Emery does get does get does get some respite because the 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 the, the, the way the way things were handled at Arsenal time, he was he was a he was the coach. He was he he had no he had very little say in. He was overruled on decisions for players and whatnot. But he was a total mess. It was a total mess, and and I think one of the things was when he when he first came in, we went on a twenty two game unbeaten run. And I think that's got to be the worst unbeaten run in the history of football because <laughs> <laughs> we were crap. <laughs> it was a it was a, it was entirely unsustainable. I mean, we were so lucky. Like I I will happily admit, like you know, we got some good results on the way, and we did some play well. But we were, we were getting outshot every game. Um, yeah, the, there was a some bizarre calls with the team and how we played and everything and then um, it, it there was a spell it went well you know we did we did we we'd score a lot of goals we, we, we there was a point where we scored a lot of goals and we, we managed to even make Aubameyang work and in um, Lacazette and the same thing for brief brief spells and then but it just it was it never felt like it was building towards anything. It always felt like it was it it would work this time. Would it work next week? I don't think so. Obviously, we all know about the communication issues. So he couldn't. He his English wasn't fantastic, and he he couldn't really get his ideas across the players. But the players didn't know what they were doing. They didn't. They, you know, it got to the point they didn't know what they were doing on the pitch. It, I mean, he came in, and one of the first things he said was, "I'd rather win five four than one nil." <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it basically looked like that most of the time. <laughs> Mostly, like, you know, he was playing like well, we know he's playing Lucas Torreira holding midfielder as an attacking mid, and then there's some some insane decisions. I mean, in the eighteen nineteen season, we were coming towards getting top four. We only had to we only had to beat uh, we had Palace and Brighton, and you know, absolutely easy easy running at the end of the season. And then we played Palace at home before we were playing in the Europa League, and then he played like Mavropanos, and he played Carl Jenkinson, and he played an absolutely bizarre team we lost 3-2 and we threw and then we, then we, then we drew with Brighton at home and we, we threw away the top four and it was literally it was there um, and then the Europa League final we were alling and it kind of felt like this is this, this, this is a sinking ship on its descent now what's the point this, this is not working and then start of the next season we actually went on a we actually I think we were in the top four after five or six games and it, again it was unsustainable we, we, we scraped wins against like Bournemouth at home and it's like this is not going to work and then I think for a lot of people the clincher was when we played Watford at home oh Watford away sorry Vicarage Road we were 2-0 up and we drew the game 2-2 and we conceded 25 shots on goal which is something 
unbelievable, it was outrageous. And yeah, this is like, yeah, this is this this is not going to work. <laughs> I mean, the man is clearly a good coach. He's a fantastic coach. I mean, he's won the Europa League three, four times yeah. now, and then with different clubs. I mean, it's really like he he knows he he knows what he, he just was not the right fit for Arsenal. He was. He's, I don't think he was a fit for English football in general. To be honest, I mean, he's flourishing in Spain. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was it was. We left it too long on Emery. We left it too long. It was it was it should have gone it should have gone a lot sooner. But then we let him buy a bunch of players who now we we we've tried to get rid of <laughs> last yeah, so we bought some bought some dross. Yeah, well yeah. um that brings us on to the million dollar question, which is Mikel Arteta. First of all, what did you think when he came in? How optimistic were you when you first heard the, the news of the appointment and is he the right man for the job? I was for it. I was I was for it. I um Emery obviously much more richly experienced, but I was actually I was for Arteta. I thought I felt this was the right step because and this is something oh, we come back to about the fans, like the perception of the fans is fan we the fans now are on board with the idea that we need to change. We had to do a rebuild. We had to really go top from the bottom up and we had to really just and you know what's the best way to do rebuild? You do a rebuild for somebody who knows the club, or a young coach who's worked under the very best, and was an idea. Um, and I was for the idea. I was for the appointment. I knew we knew, we knew it was going to take time. The, the issue was that we didn't we didn't have, we didn't have experience above him, um, which is obviously it comes down with like the Edu and whatnot. Um, we haven't had the experience above him um, for a manager that young who is going to make mistakes. You have to make sure there is someone with experience, like a director of football person, who who can just put a put a hand on his shoulder and go, you know what, Mikel, maybe not this time. Don't think he's a good player. Don't think you should go with that system, or you know, whatever. Just the little things that mistakes that he would make, or maybe don't freeze him out, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, won the FA Cup, fantastic. You know, we played not in any way in a, a normal Arsenal way. We. Um, we you know he we went through for three, three at the back, etc. He's changed system so many times now as a manager. Um, he's also made an awful lot of mistakes. The club made a mistake uh, making him manager. Mm-hmm. From the head, the head coach, the manager was a big mistake. Far too soon. Far too soon. Look, yeah, I mean, you, you can support the, you can support the man, back the man, and feel he's the right man to do the job. It was too soon to do that. You know, you can't be giving him that level of responsibility already. It's no good for him. Yeah, and where does that leave Edu? I mean, isn't doesn't um, that mean he's kind of taking Edu's job as barbecue, well? Barbecue cigars. Oh no! I mean, Edu, 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 Edu still does the. He's still in. He's still in. You know, I I just like I need a player. Edu's like, yeah, let's go find him. And then you've got we've got um, Richard Garlic dealing with contracts and sort of things. So Edu is still there, and like like and as as we found out, um, sort of when he spoke after this summer window, basically the idea of building young, completely gutting you know twenty three year olds. And under was a Edu, pretty much his sort of leading charge. That's why he, he said it is. is like, you know, we had this idea. We told Mikel, and Mikel was like, "Well, yeah." Arteta was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm on board with it." I think Arteta would have liked a few more experienced players. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah. I think he would. I think he would have liked another Rolls Royce in midfield. I think he would have liked another top striker or whatever. But um, no, um, I think mean, the manager's made an awful lot of mistakes. I think he's. I think he will make. I think he will continue to make mistakes. Um, yeah. But you expect think, that, right? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a given. I think I think he's been held a, dealt a dreadful hand. I mean, he's had to deal with an awful lot. He's inherited some 
utter dross. We've had, we've had all this unrest in the camp. He's had to players moved on. I mean, the, the amount of upheavals, like 17, 17 players in the last in the summer, or like players gone, new contracts and whatnot. And he's had to build his own team. And obviously now we're finally seeing. We've said all along, you, you have to give us a full complement of players. He's got a full team available. He's got his team. His stamp is absolutely on this football team. It is. It is his team. He's bought. We had we bought six players over the summer. All of them were on the pitch. And we in the, in the end against Spurs. His ideas, the way he wants to build us, uh, our attacks, the way he wants us to press, the way he wants us to to see matches, to, like the connection he's building with the fans, the cultural changes. You, it, it is all there. Um. But not, and he has. There is so much mitigation because he's, he, yeah, the, the, the coronavirus and the, the crap and players he's, he's inherited and the pressure he's put onto him by the hierarchy and the lack of experience above him. That's over now. Um, I think that is all gone. It is purely now results. Um, yeah, I like what I'm seeing. I do like what I'm seeing. Um, I'm, like I said, like I said to you earlier, I we're not. We have not turned a corner. We are turning a corner. The indicators are wrong. <laughs> yeah, the indicators are wrong. Um, and I think this next run, so we've got Brighton next, and then we take an international break, and it's Palace and whatnot. That will determine it for me. Yeah. What do you make of the transfer activity then in the summer? In, because I know you got a lot of stick again from the sidelines for, you know, yeah, you spent a lot of money, but who have you really brought in? Yeah. But again, I guess it's it's going with this policy of sort of young players, players with potential, and on the evidence of the other night, yeah, granted Spurs were appalling. I felt like Arsenal were did play very well and I felt like even against a good team that team against Man City wouldn't have lost was it 5-0 I think in the, the, the yeah, game got promoted. that wouldn't have happened I don't think if that performance wouldn't have wouldn't have happened that way so what do you make of it what do you make of Tomiyasu Ramsdale all these guys that have been brought in it's funny because everyone would say oh, I don't, I'm not sure I'm on board like you know uh, trying to explain how this is what we're doing the, the, the strategy buying young players and you know like Gary Neville's I can't see what the strategy is the strategy is very clear the fans I would think you pretty much universally are all on board of it we know we needed this we know we needed this we we we've, for too long we've had players we've brought in players who come in no resale value they leave for nothing William contracts <laughs> William David Luiz know, David Luiz Socrates oh yeah Staffies, all, all of these and Staffy, uh, Kalasnat is still here um, all these players and this has been so long overdue, so long overdue. Um, I'm absolutely for it. I would like <laughs> another midfielder. I would have liked a more, a more experienced central midfielder, especially now because Granite Jack is injured. Um, look, I'm absolutely for it. But um, any plan like this, any any strategy where you are investing so heavily in youth, in we had two 21s, two 22s, two 23-year-olds, while you may not see the fruits of those labor for another two years potentially because when they're going to, they're all going to try and peak at the same time. It's, you know, it's how we should do it. It all comes down to talent ID. It, it, it doesn't matter if you have to wait two years for these players to be good or not, or if they're going to be good now, if they're not good, <laughs> they're not good. And yeah, they'll never be you know, good. <laughs> and yeah. And like, and Edu's not, Edu's talent ID is not exactly great. Um, he's not our best of luck. And so Arteta's some question marks over there as well. So like things like Willian, but, they're looking good, you know. They're looking good, and then they've, we've got some very specific players. I mean, Tommy Asu is a specific, specific inverted fullback. Um, plays in the plays in the back room. We build. He wins every ball. It's every header. He's won like more more aerial, aerial duels than anyone since he started playing for Arsenal. Ramsdale, 
big question marks. I was I was thinking, well, we're buying a goalkeeper here who's not an upgrade on Burnt Leno, and we're paying thirty million. And he's going to be on the bench all, all all season. Held my hands up. I am so happy to be wrong on that. He has been fantastic since he's come in. He's changed the the, the feeling. You know the way he communicates, the way he, the way he talks, the way he commands his box is brilliant. Um, you know he's, he's still early days, but he looks like and the fact we play we're starting, we're playing him now. You know he cost he cost thirty million. Play him. Don't put him on the bench for a season. Um, I think Ben White talk about overpaying, and I think was probably have. Let's be honest, but yeah, a little bit. Look, but... Looks great. Um, never English centre half, top ball player, progressor. Um, I think he compliments Gabriel very well. Um, then you look at um, Sambi Lukonga. I love Sambi Lukonga. He's brilliant. He's the way oh, he's on the ball. He's 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 wonderful. He still needs to work on his spatial awareness. I think he still worries about doesn't track his deep runners as well, but. Could we see him and Party in the coming weeks too? I think we are going to see something like that. I mean, I still don't know. I mean, for all I know, Jacket might be out for the season now. I'm not sure. Um, oh, God. I, I didn't know it was be. that serious. Oh, it looked bad. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, I think we'll see. I think he's brilliant. He's so, so good. This lad is top draw. He's got a wonderful range of pass, and I love the way he can sort of build his little body feints and drops. It's brilliant. Martin Odegaard is silk on soil. I was so for that. I mean, 30 million is a steal. I, 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 I really Absolutely. Think that. Uh, you think about we were paying maybe look at seventy million for James Madison's. No, I know to go. It's, it's, it's top draw. And if players, if these players can be playing like they are now at the moment, all at 22, 23, it's it's really, really positive. It's really, really positive. They are going to have ups and downs. They are going to they are going to have dips in form. But in the time we've seen them together on the pitch, I mean, you know, I think that, you know not only is it when you, one new player in a new team, it's six new players in a new team. I think they're looking great. I, I, I like I like the look of these young players. I can see what we're building for a change. I can see what we're trying to do, and I think so. And the fans can too. And you know, it's not just about the players. How the qualities? They're very likable characters. Tommy Asu gets you off your seat. He's he's such a, he's such a lovely bloke, you know. And, he, and the way the way he's, the way he conducts himself on the pitch, the way he's all aggressive in the challenge, you know, it gets the fans going. And Ramsdale he has such a rapport with the supporters. He's already like a cult hero. Yeah, and even if it goes wrong, it's. You'd rather see them try something positive like that. No, I mean, if they turn out rubbish, um, then you can sell them because there's always a market for young players. Exactly. There's always a market for young players, and that's the thing. You know, he's, he's like Matteo Guendouzi. We bought, we got Matteo Guendouzi. It didn't work. Um, there was obviously his, 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 his attitude problems and whatnot. Yeah, we didn't sell him for much, but still, still, there's still a market for young players. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter, and that is what the team is finally starting to build towards. We're finally starting to build towards a sustainable model of young players who we can either sell on in a few years or who can actually be the, 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 the centre of this club. And, you know, you look at people like Odegaard, you know, possible uh, captain material. I mean, obviously that should be Kieran Tierney anyway, but um, these, are, these, are, these are players who will grow and they will develop and they are the right profiles for what we what the, tip, what the style of football that Arsenal wants to play. They're the right players to get the, to build a connection with the supporters as well. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for the, um, the, the the what we've done over the summer. I still believe we are short in a few positions, and obviously you're never going to do everything in the same in one summer. It's impossible. Um, but no, I'm 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 very very happy with the direction, and I, and, and um, I think the supporters are too. And I think it shows. I think that's why we've seen such a great atmosphere this season. You know, the the, the connection with the fans and the players is is, is is haven't seen that for a long long time. Yeah, you get that with young players as well. I think it ha- it's a lot easier to build that sort of connection when you're dealing with young players. But you mentioned all those players who come in, and then also we've got Tierney, Saka, Smith-Rowe. Um, it's a lot of unbelievably talented young players, pretty much the full 11 other than Obama Yang, pretty much in party. But you met, you touched on this before. Is there any concern that there's a, a, a tad too little experience in there 
could you do with maybe one or two old heads? Or do you think they'll be all right, the, the young lads? Yeah, uh, the, the, it was that thing last season. Like, oh, like, you know, we're playing Smith-Rowe and, and, and Saka and, uh, you know, Arsenal keep playing the young players. We're not we're not playing our young players. We're playing our best players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're, literally just, we're playing our best players. They are our best players. And um, they've... I mean, Emil and you know Bakayo, Saka, and they 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 were leaders in a different way last season. They because they were they were they, they were carrying the team. They were shoulder, they were burdening this entire team, um, and they were you know they had them all on the shoulders, and they were leaders in their own right. There is a lack. I mean, I think the goal is that the the ones we brought in can grow into that. Is Jacques, the, is Jacques the right leader? You know, you talk always on the pitch. We don't know what it's like off the pitch, but everyone seems to adore him. Um, we do need more. I think we do. I think we. I think it's midfield and strikers is the key ones because, I mean, the back five settled now. It's a, it's a, it's a very young back five. I and mean, Tierney's the oldest, and he's twenty four. Um, Central midfield party is the leader. He, he's a leader in twenty eight. Jacker is also twenty eight, and he's he's, he's twenty nine now. And you know, he's he's considered as the experienced leader. Um, then you, but then you come to someone like Afcon, African Combinations. We're losing Partey, we're losing Pepe. Who even Pepe now? He's he's twenty six. He's technically in a, he's an he's one of the experienced players. Aubameyang's going, and then he's going. There is that it is. You wonder how it's going to be. I mean, but then again, Sambi Lukonga was captain of Anderlecht. Martin Odegaard was captain of Nor- Norway. I mean, I think I think he I think he's trying to build a, the leaders in a different way. And to be honest, I think he probably wouldn't mind doing the Emery, Emery thing, right? <laughs> where he, when we had um we had a vote and we had like five, we had a group of leaders team. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think Arteta would mind that. To be honest, I think he quite like he likes having you know the odd experience, but I think he, he wants he wants it spread out. He wants it spread out. It's not we're not we're not the Vieiras anymore. We don't have those kind of players. I would have liked us to buy a proper Rolls Royce, big, big, big midfielder, you know, experienced central midfielder. Which we will do in the in in next summer, potentially even January. A, a new striker because we're going to lose Lacazette, Eddie, and Ketty, and then Aubameyang's only got a year left, so we're going to need a striker. I think that's where we'll try and build a sort of core. By which time, Gabriel will be twenty-four, Ben Wiley twenty-four. It is it is the one part of the, of the squad you think, okay, yeah, mm, is it lacking a bit? Because the leaders we have, are they really like the leaders you want? Like I mean, Eddie mentioned Bert Leno, who's twenty-nine, is a goalkeeper. I don't think he does. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, Jacques Party, Lacazette, these a lot of them are leaving. Um so they will need replacing, yeah. I guess it's difficult to say at this early stage, but mm. how do you think you'll get on come the end of the season, having having said everything that we've said today, what would represent success for the team? What would you what would you be over the moon with? Uh realistically, um I mean I, I before the season started I said we'd finish seventh. Um I'm not trying not to get too carried away with you know the last couple of weeks. Um, it top six. I mean, we can't. I don't think we can. The absolute limit, limit, limit. For me, is fifth. I can't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think you can realistically sit and say Arsenal should finish higher than fifth. And that's even that thing's a push. I think if if, if sixth was on a, offered on a plate now, sixth and say like an FA Cup or even a League Cup because I won the League Cup from since 1993. Um, bite your hand off. Um, yeah. I think you have to be realistic. I think you have to be realistic as much as because the top four are too good. You know, they're too good. Um, I know we're above Leicester, but you know they're, they're always going to come out West Ham are in fantastic form. Everton under Rafa. Yeah, this 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 is a, this is as strong as Premier League is. I think 
Really tough. You ever seen? I mean, it's, it's a stronger Premier League as you've ever seen, and you know, Spurs and Arsenal are rubbish. So <laughs> it's <laughs> tough. You got ten teams, really. The top ten, it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, I know Leeds are having a bit of a mare, but if they can sort themselves out, and Brentford have come up like last year's Leeds, yeah, you wouldn't be surprised to see them finishing ninth or tenth. It's so hard to get in the Europa League, I think. Which is why I think look six. I, I think we have to be realistic. I, I, if six was offered to me now, I'd take it. I would. Um, um, I'm not going to sit and go all fifth, top four. Let's be honest, fifth or sixth doesn't really matter. It's still yeah. the Europa League at the end of the day. <laughs> it only really ma- it only really matters if you finish above Tottenham. Um, yeah. So if, we, if, I, yeah. if, I can, if we can get sixth, yeah, I take that. And I, and I think now we've seen as well because um, Arteta's going, he's going ham in the cups. You know, he, 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 he never he never heavily rotated for the domestic cups, and he's really going for it in the League Cup. Obviously, of the two, the League Cup, I think, will be driving in the FA Cup because you get automatic Europa League qualification, but. I think he wants to win a trophy, and I think why not? We haven't got Europe this season. We can get if we can go out and win a League Cup. Absolutely all for it. Absolutely all for it. Um, we last we lost the last three finals we've been to in the in the, in the Carabao Cup League Cup. So, yeah, I think I I, I said it from the side of seventh. I wanted us to pip sixth. Um, do I think we can get sixth? I think we can get sixth. I do. Um, I'm I still think this sterner tests will come. Um, if you'd have come to me in a couple of weeks' time and play a couple more games, I might be different because, you know, we should have beaten Norwich. We should have beat. We should be Norwich. We should be Burnley. We should be a dreadful Tottenham team. And while we can see that the corner being turned, yes, we're not there yet. Optimism, but I guess healthy yeah. caution. I'd take sixth, and I'd take. A, I'd, I'd, obviously, I'd take a trophy. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you, but. Okay, so before we come on to our little quiz that we like to end the show with every week, we're going to take one more very quick break. And we're back. So we like to end every show with each fan with a little something we like to call Do You Know Your Heroes? (laughs) And in this, I'm going to ask you for... Things like, you know, record. It's all it's all pretty basic stuff. Everyone always gets, oh, about it. And then everyone pretty much does fine with it in the end. Or at least in the recent weeks, it's been like that. In the beginning, it seemed like it was stumbling everyone. But now, the last few weeks, it's been getting <laughs> oh, easy. <yeah. laughs> okay, let's get straight into it. There's eight questions. Um, no pressure, but the, the guy last week from Sunderland got all eight. So oh, did it? Oh, right. Oh, great. Pressure's on. Um, how many English top flight titles have Arsenal won? including the old First Division and the modern-day Premier League? 13. Correct. Question two. Which player has made the most league appearances in the history of the club? David O'Leary. Very nice. Um, You get the point, but do you happen to know how many? Just out of uh, 676. Apparently, it's 558. Ah. But, I, um, but that's because, uh, oh, uh, uh, League, sorry, you're doing all comps, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, there let's go you go. Yeah, so between 1975 and 1993 in the league, he made 558. I didn't know that. Unbelievable. I didn't actually David know O'Leary, that. No one ever really associates David O'Leary with Arsenal, unless you're obviously an Arsenal fan. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're not yeah. an Arsenal fan, you're obviously, I just think, think of him as... Villa manager. <laughs> or a Leeds guy. Leeds guy, yeah. Villa guy. That's I had no idea he had this like lineage with Arsenal. He's like a legend there. It's crazy. Um, anyway, who was the youngest ever player to make a first-team appearance for the club in any competition. Not the Premier League, in any competition. Oh, I should know this. And I, and there's like there's like eight it could be. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's so many uh, like young wonder kids that have come through. Um, 
in any competition. Uh, let's go with. Oh, sod! I know. I was again. Oh no, it's as well. Um. No, I tell, I tell, I'm going to pass because otherwise I'll just I'll give an answer and I'll be really missed about it. Okay, well, there are a few that you could have thought it would be definitely, yeah. but apparently it's Sesc Fabregas who at uh, 16 years and 177 That's days. It. I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> okay. uh, so I was like, Sesc Fabregas is the obvious one. It was, it was obviously Sesc, isn't it? He did it in a cup game. I think it's because Theo was the youngest in the Premier League, maybe still, yeah. or something like that oh, when I was doing the research. But I had to make sure I was clear on that. Because no, technically no, no, you're there's... absolutely right. I just, I just thought, it, I, thought yeah. I, can't, I thought it can't be Fabio. It's too obvious. Uh, no. It was a League Cup game against Rotherham United, yeah, yeah in 2003. Yeah. Sesc is still the youngest player to yeah. have done that. Um, which player has won the most international caps while playing for Arsenal? So in, over their career or while they've been at Arsenal? Only at Arsenal. So Oof. just not, not, not it should probably it isn't really much of a clue, but this particular guy, for example, has 123 in total. Yeah. But yeah. Not, but less less of a certain amount of those he earned at Arsenal, and that's the most anyone's ever done, apparently. Well, it's, it's obviously someone who's been at Arsenal for a very long time. Um... Yeah, I think quite, yeah, I'd, I, I, it's all relative, but yeah, I mean, a legend for sure was there loads and loads of time. Because um, Lucas Podolski got a heck of a lot of um, international caps for Germany. I think he was mm-hmm. on 100, but I don't, but obviously he was only at Arsenal for a few years, so he wanted he wanted got them all during that time. Um, uh, Let's just say a bigger legend than that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Proper Podolski is you know he's a great player, but this guy was a, this guy's royalty. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I think it's one of the French lads. So it's, uh, it's either it's either Patrick or it's Thierry. Um, I'll say Thierry, probably. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three out of four. Very good. Thierry Henry has made 123 appearances for France, but 81 of those he made yeah. while an Arsenal player, and that's actually the the record as an Arsenal player. Yeah, apparently. Good, good eight years, nine years, don't know. This one is um really tricky. Um, well, I guess maybe for an Arsenal fan, it's easy actually, but for me, it would be. I would definitely wouldn't know it. In which year did the first match at the Emirates Stadium take place? It was the 06 07 season. Um, so, would it have been 06? Uh, it was 2006. Yeah. On the 22nd of July, it was Dennis Burkham's testimonial, oh, yeah, apparently. Right. First competitive game with Aston Villa, yeah. First competitive game would have been Aston Villa. First... We played Milan. We played Milan Legends. Was that what we played? In the Dennis Burkham. I think it was this Ajax. Ajax, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Ajax, yeah. yeah. Because I guess he played for them probably before yeah, he, he came did. to you. I don't remember. Um, on which player did Arsenal spend their record transfer fee? A little bit more well, contemporary now. Nico. Nico Pepe. Correct. Do you, do you happen to know how much it was? 72 million. Very nice. From Great Lille British pounds. In August 2019. So we are five out of six so far. Doing very well indeed. Um, who was or were the last player players to win the World Cup while playing for Arsenal. Uh, so we had no one in the French squad. We had... Uh, oh. Was it... Meza Ozil? That's one. Two more. Uh, so, so per Mertesacker and Squadron Mustafi. Mustafi, Mertesacker. And... I think no. Mustafi came to you after that World Cup because he impressed there. The he third did, one he? was a, the so guy Podolsky. you mentioned earlier, Podolsky. Very good. Podolsky, Podolsky, yeah. Will you, will, you me, will you give me that one? <laughs> I don't know, of course. Don't worry. I'll give you that one. No, I, 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 Mertesacker, yeah. Ozil, and Lucas Podolsky. 
won the World Cup for Germany yeah. at Brazil 2014. And finally, to make it seven out of eight, apart from England, which nationality is most represented in the current Arsenal first team squad, not including people who are out on loan? So who's in the actual first team squad? Obviously, the majority, the most um, you know, represented country is England. But then after that, there's two countries that are joint with the Brazil. most number of players. Brazil is one. Do you know the other one? Uh, well, first of all, who are the Brazilians? Uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Martinelli. Correct. That's it. There's two. There's yeah, another country uh, that has two. Yeah. No. Um, Might be hard to remember because they're not exactly the two most sort of. I don't know. The best players at the school. They're not bad players, but yeah, no, yeah. Um, I th- it's not Spanish because Bellerin's not there. Uh, this one's always a tough uh, one. Um, yeah, no, as well as Brazil, it's um, it's not Norwegian, it's not Japanese, uh, Portuguese, Cedric and Nuno. Yeah. Correct, very good. Uh, we got the two Brazilians, the two Portuguese. It's it's a kind of small amount. Normally, you'll have like uh, usually it's English when we do this, and then the second one you might yeah. have a country where there'll be like a contingent of four or even five. Why? But with Arsenal, a while ago, it'd been French. There'd been about eight. Yeah, exactly. You would have expected something like that, but no, it's very mixed. It's either English or sort of one mixture from from all one Mm -hmm. from everywhere, and then apart from these Brazilians and Portuguese. But that gives you seven out of eight. I can't believe I didn't say Cesc. I'm so gutted. (laughs) Don't worry, it's a mighty performance. I can't believe I didn't say Cesc. So it's such an obvious one as well. I still think it's a mighty, mighty performance from you. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Before you go, though, would you like to let the listeners know where they can read your stuff or or listen to your stuff or or anything that you're putting out there, painting in the Arsenal or otherwise? Yeah, um, so if anyone likes to hear people quibble about Arsenal, I'm sure someone does every now and then, um, come check us out on painintheArsenal.com. Twitter is painintheArsenal, but painintheArsenal. Arsenal, it's really annoying. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm, 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 my Twitter is at Swedish Ross. We do, we do um, post-match content, pre-match content, opinion pieces, lists, a lot of it, do all that. So, yeah, please come and check it out whenever you get the chance. Thank you. Check that out, guys. Make sure you go over and give Ross some love. Thanks again, Ross, so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good luck to you and Arsenal for the season. Hopefully you'll be uh, celebrating come May. Thanks so much for listening to the Sportacost Football Stories podcast. Please like, share and leave positive reviews wherever you listen. We really, really appreciate that. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend online or offline. That really helps a small podcast like ours to grow organically. Head to sportacost.com for live streams, data, statistics and much more from the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter at sportacost.com. You can follow myself at Craig Sportacost. We would also love to read out the thoughts and questions of our listeners, so please feel free to tweet those to me anytime or send us an email to show at sportacost.com with your opinions or your questions, and we'll get to those on the next episode. Thanks again so much to Ross for coming on to speak to us today. Thanks so much to you for listening, and see you on the next episode of the Sportacost Football Stories podcast.
Sports Social Podcast Network.